Hey, 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 guys. Welcome once again to another episode of Cult Following Extra. This is Victor Moreno here, bringing you the latest in film news, film reviews, film criticisms, direct from Phoenix, Arizona. We're the people who bring you cult classics AZ, your favorite monthly films on the big screen every month. If you're interested in checking out what we're doing, check us out at Cult Classics AZ. This Saturday, February 15th, we are showing... Bram Stoker Dracula special Valentine's Day weekend screening uh, tickets for that are going fast we have almost 50 tickets sold uh, we have a variety of VIP packages left we invite you to check that out over at coldclassicsaz.com we're also doing a 90s vintage night market with our retro rewind brand at the Thunderbird Lounge on April 5th this free event is going to be a big event night market uh, from 7pm to 10pm Again, details for that are up on cultclassicsaz.com. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere quality podcasts are found. And especially, we could use your support. We are the indie kids here in the Phoenix film scene. Uh, You can also find us on Patreon over at patreon.com slash cultclassicsaz. So, hey, guys. It is right now very late on Monday, February the let me check here. February the tenth, twenty twenty, and the ninety uh, second annual Academy Awards have just taken place. Um, it's a crazy year, crazy year for awards because it felt very much so like the beginning of the year was going to be lacking in Best Picture nominees winners i wasn't sure what was going to happen but i just knew that around november it seemed like the joker was the shoe-in for everything and now we ended up with parasite uh creating history here folks doing a sweep sweeping best screenplay best international feature best director and best picture kind of amazing uh bong joon ho well deserved one of my favorite films of the entire year we're going to talk about the winners, the nominees, uh, my picks. We're going to go through that very much in depth. We're also going to do a little bit of talking about recent film reviews. We're going to talk about Birds of Prey. We're going to talk about The Lodge. And at the end, we are going to give you a cool bonus for listening to this episode. We're going to have a Q&A with James Gunn and Kurt Russell talking about Big Trouble in Little China. The History, the Legacy of Jack Burton, Big Trouble in Little China. This is from Beyond Fest 2016. It is a 40-minute Q&A and interview. James Gunn interviews Kurt Russell, asks him about his career. As far as we can tell, this has never been posted anywhere. We went to Beyond Fest 2016. Uh, I take the interview. Uh, Serena, share it with you guys. It's kind of amazing, and I think it's going to be a cool thing to check out. He talks about the... Big Trouble in Little China remake. He talks about The Thing. He talks about his favorite actors. Kurt Russell doing a breakdown of his entire career. So first off, let me just get a few things down. We just This weekend, we saw Birds of Prey come out in theaters. I, I actually really liked this movie a lot. Um, there's a review of it up on cultfollowing.co. Um, what I can tell you is this actually ended up being the worst opening ever for a dc expanded universe movie warner brothers had expected this movie to 
open this weekend at $45 million and worldwide looking at a gross of $110 million. It opened in the U.S. disappointingly so to $32 million, looking at an $81 million cumulative worldwide gross. Uh, lowest earning DCE movie ever. Uh, especially shocking considering Harley Quinn is widely considered one of the three most popular DC characters right behind uh, Batman and the Joker. And this is coming off of the Joker of Joker earning over a billion dollars at the box office. So hopefully uh, Warner Brothers doesn't get the bad idea here that, uh, oh, we can't have female led uh, films. The issue was that Harley wasn't hoish enough because it was a really good movie, you guys. And honestly, if you are on the fence about seeing it, I would strongly recommend you go and check it out. If you have AMC Stubbs, Alamo Season Pass, any one of those services, it is well worth checking out. Um, amazingly comic movie. It's very accurate to the source material. A great movie. Uh, Margot Robbie is great in it. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is Huntress is great. Uh, uh, just, I really can't say enough good things about it. Uh, Ewan McGregor as Black Mask, doing kind of like this parody of the Jared Leto Joker. It just, it's works. It's an R-rated movie. I think, honestly, lesson that um, DC will probably take from this. And it, and it's, hopefully they will. And, and I hate to say it because, honestly, Deadpool and Harley Quinn have different demos. I think Harley Quinn is a lot more popular with young girls and teenage girls. And as cool as seeing this as an, in an R-rated context is... I think maybe opening it as an R-rated movie instead of a PG-13 movie like cut off a lot of that fan base and parents maybe weren't willing to you know take their kids on that journey to see an R-rated girl movie maybe they thought a girl-led movie girl gang movie maybe they were thinking it was going to be like uh you know more on the uh TNA side I don't know but uh yeah, it's kind of a bummer. I, I would really hope that one would open bigger, and hopefully that isn't the you know, end of that franchise, and hopefully it doesn't affect the James Gunn Suicide Squad movie too much, which is also taking sort of an esoteric approach, using a lot of C&D-list characters. You know, you don't want to micromanage people who are creative, and it's, it's just too bad that didn't open bigger. Um, Jumping to the next point, we haven't done a... Uh, review of this up yet on cultfollowing.co but what i will say is uh the lodge which opens um in two weeks over at uh alamo i'm pretty sure it's gonna open at harkins as well um the lodge um from the uh filmmaking team that did goodnight mommy starring um riley keogh from mad max Fury road and hold the dark on netflix last year great actress um it 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 also stars um the main kid from it his name i can't remember right now uh he's the one who plays young bill um just the long and short of it uh riley keogh's character is engaged to marry a character played by richard armitage who's a psychiatrist who researches cults i will say don't put a lot of stock into the cult angle if that's what's encouraged making you interested in seeing this movie because i will tell you right now that for the most part it doesn't really touch on that much um the big juxta the big uh hook of the movie if you will 
is uh, he's in a marriage with a character played by Alicia Silverstone. Uh, he's leaving her for Riley Keough's character. Upon being told that, she commits suicide, and the kids uh, kind of vow revenge. Uh, I feel like even saying that much is a spoiler, even though it's not. Um, it's a weird movie. Some people are really going to like it. I know a lot of people who will probably really like it. I felt this film was completely unrealistic. Very much not... Uh, it doesn't feel like an American movie. Maybe if it was set in Europe, being coming from European filmmakers. Just There's so much stuff in here that doesn't work for me. Um, I'll get into it more on the actual review. We might be interviewing the filmmakers. I don't know. I haven't really uh explore that too much yet but i might because it might clear up some issues i have with the film but i will say at this moment it's pretty much like a uh, two-star film for me at best um it's beautifully shot but just so many missed opportunities i'll get into it more once we do more of a spoilery review down the line um but yeah that's pretty much my thoughts on it so uh that being said, let me get into our thoughts, my thoughts here on the Academy Awards. Uh, I will say this year, for the most part, the best uh, phrasing might be Oscars got it right. Because, you know, as far as I know, there's a lot of people who have issues, uh, you know, oh, the wrong people were nominated. So many horror films were snubbed. I, I will say I would have liked it if um, if uh, Midsummer might have been nominated for best production design maybe in terms of costume design i don't think it would have won either of those awards um but you know there, this is just a really strong year in a lot of categories having seen almost everything you know uh i i feel like i could speak with some degree of whoa sorry about that folks me getting stuff on trying to get you guys uh information is always a little difficult uh yeah so let me just say for the most part um yeah i feel like uh most of the awards got right so i'm just gonna go break down and tell you all right we'll see what won and what didn't and what i thought was gonna win so we'll start with writing original screenplay and the uh, nominees for that were once upon a time in hollywood quentin tarantino 1917 sam mendez and christy wilson kyrns Marriage Story, Noah Baumbach, Knives Out, written by Rain Johnson, and Parasite. Bong Joon-ho, Han Jin-won, story by Bong Joon-ho. Um, I had Parasite winning this one. Um, I wouldn't have minded if Knives Out won. I thought they pretty much those it, it would have been cool if that won, but I didn't really think that was going to happen. Uh, I thought this was largely going to be between uh, Parasite and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, and I, I figured if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood won, this likely would have been a precursor. Like, we would have known that it wasn't going to win Best Picture. And when Bong Joon-ho won for original screenplay, I thought, oh, well, it's pretty much just going to win this and maybe international feature, and that'll be it. But uh, that's the way you think because you're breaking odds down the middle. So I wasn't... I wasn't um, disappointed with this i i was kind of like this is what was going to happen so yeah um then we go over to uh writing adapted screenplay and the nominees were the two popes written by anthony mccarran little women written by greta gerwig joker written by todd phillips and scott silver 
The Irishman, written by Stephen Zalian and Jojo Rabbit, written by Taika Waititi. Um, you know, I really like The Two Popes. I think the reason that didn't hit for me as well as it should have was because the end of the film felt a little too rah-rah in the case of Pope Francis. Like, you know, came from this very strong film about the dynamic between two opposing viewpoints of being kind of this hagiography that was raising up, oh, like Pope Francis is the Catholic Obama. I wrote about this on my review on cultfalling.co. It's funny how like five minutes can like sink a film in a way, or at least make it less palatable, at least in my mind. Um, so then we get over to Little Women. I, For the most part, I thought this was likely the only opportunity that Greta Gerwig had for an award for the evening. Um, I wasn't really going for this movie. Joker, you know, I didn't really think that this had a chance of winning. And uh, just because the story, you know, touched on a lot of issues that were problematic and didn't really, like, uh, explore the best of its ability, you know, maybe mental illness and such. And it wasn't specifically based on a storyline, you know, so... I didn't really think Joker would win this one. Irishman, I feel, you know, I really liked The Irishman, too. I think the issue with this, it's just too long. It should have been edited down somewhat. I, you know, that's not to say the material you see on the screen is weak or that the script is bad. It's just judiciously, it, it's a three and a half hour long movie. It, you know, and, and, and I enjoyed it, but my God, that's just too much. And then you got to Jojo Rabbit, which I was really hoping would win, and it won. So, you know, yay for Taika. I hope he utilizes that to get more of his passion projects on because, uh, you know, it's an unusual film and he made it work in the script. You know, you could tell he wasn't expecting to win based on his speech. Um, you know, kind of a passion project to adapt something like that. And yay for him for getting it done and winning an Oscar for it. So kudos on Taika, he still should have won, at least been nominated for Hunt for the Wilder People, so, hooray, um, alright, we'll go for, to, see, I'm just scrolling up from Oscars.com, so visual effects now, the, uh, it's Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker, Lion King, Irishman, Endgame, in 1917, folks, never be fooled by comic book movies being as visual effects they are never recognized cgi effects are never recognized by the academy if you have not seen 1917 i strongly implore you to do so don't let the fact that it was shut out at the oscars keep you from seeing it um the whole film is shot to look like it's a one-shot film and the, the way visual effects are used to erase that scene it's an exemplary feat, and this was like my only pick. This was like what I knew would win, what I felt would win, and what I hoped would win. So yay for 1917. Um, I'm sure some people were like, oh, come on, Endgame? Shouldn't they get like the Lord of the Rings? Like, give them the award just because they made it to the end, the finish line? And I'm like, no, come on. Especially since it just got so cartoonishly bad in terms of special effects by the end. And then you get to the two sound categories. Um, you get to sound mixing, where you have the categories where uh, the nominees were Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Joker, Ford versus Ferrari, Ad Astra, and 1917. Um, I was sure that 1917 was going to get this because, again, there's shots where 
the two main characters are in a field and are watching a dog fight way away from them and you can or and then there's explosions going off and you can just the way you balance sound so things are in the background and the foreground especially if you see something like this in a dolby theater you know it, it how the sound is mixed is the most important thing these things have to pop it's just like dunkirk which also won this award like two years ago you know i was sure this was going to win um then you get to uh sound editing uh, and 1917 was also now I hear I thought 1917 was also going to win this because it's very unusual that these uh, categories are split. Usually, if one wins, the other wins. But um, Ford versus Ferrari won here, and uh, I have no issues with that. I was, you know, I was like, I, I, you know, Ford versus Ferrari, also a great movie, a film that got snubbed hardcore because Christian Bale should have been nominated for best actor, and the fact that he wasn't is really pretty sad but yeah the, the racing here the way the sound is edited it's a really good good example of sound editing uh, when it came to short film live action i didn't really get to the short films um i think i guess uh, I, my guess was for a sister it didn't when it was a neighbor's window uh short film animated hair love one um i kind of thought that pitbull would win the one about the abused pitbull that went viral earlier this year but um, I'll have to check it out. I heard Hair Love is really good, so I've got no problems with that. Uh, production design. This is where I kick myself in the ass because, you know, all along I've been saying, oh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has, like, the best production design. Um, the other nominees were The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, 1917, and Parasite. The issue was I'd seen 1917 shortly before the, the awards ceremony and the production design in 1917 is also exemplary. I mean, it's really tight. And my thinking was the Irishman and Jojo Rabbit are also period pieces. So I thought they would sort of cancel each other out. But really, the production design in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is exemplary. So you can't really, it can't really be denied. But also, 1917's is awesome. Parasites is also really good. Everything here is a worthy a worthy nominee, if you will. Um, and then we get to, let's see here. Wow, I don't want to go into that one yet. Let's do, uh, we'll do music. Um, original song, I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocket Man, Elton John, Bernie Tobin, I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away, uh, Randy Newman. There's three other ones. I thought Randy Newman was going to win. It just kind of felt like an Oscar thing to happen. But then, uh, you know, Bernie Tope, I, I mean, really, Rocket Man is all about the relationship. It was kind of dopey for me to think they wouldn't win just based on that. So kudos on them. I, I'm not a big fan of the song. And I will say that one of the big problems with the Oscars this year was, aside from the opening number by Janelle Monet, which was really awesome, you should look it up on YouTube. It's all about snubbed. Uh, films and there's a whole thing about Oscars so white it's great um do the mixing on Eminem's performance um Elton John's performance it was like terrible like the you know the microphone was either turned down so you could hear the backing track it was so fucking bad um and hopefully we'll find out more tomorrow but or later today but I'm like Jesus what was up with Eminem doing uh, lose yourself I mean, it's not really like that movie has 
like an anniversary this year, as far as I know. Um, I know he wasn't there when the film was nominated originally, but yeah, it was just like a little like, okay, weird, but it, you know, it was cool. It was still best part of that whole thing was, uh, <laughs> Dina Menzel just jamming, jamming Eminem. So funny. Uh, then we get to music original score. Originally on my Oscar sheet, I had Thomas Newman for 1917 because that movie has an exemplary score and it keeps you on the whole time. And which is funny because the whole year I've been like, no, 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 Hilda Gooden daughter has it for Joker. And finally I was like, no, no, I'm going to go back to my original thought. Thank God because she won. Um, her speech was great. It's hard for me to think people actually thought uh, Rise of Skywalker had a chance of winning this award for like one of John Williams' most pedestrian scores ever. Um, I actually thought there might have been a chance for Randy Newman winning for his Marriage Story score, which is you know contrasts the film and kind of playing off his Harry Met Sally score, I think. Um, but yeah, no, this was the one I was all about. I think everyone wanted this one to win. Such a great score. Uh, then we have makeup and hairstyling. To me, this was a two-horse race. It was between Bombshell and Joker. Um, if Bombshell had not won, I would have been really upset because, my God, the makeup in this movie is fucking amazing. Kazuhiro deserved that Oscar more than anything. He turned uh, Charlize Theron into Megyn Kelly. It still freaks me out watching that. And I've watched this movie several times you know, with a screener and everything. I'm just like, what the fuck, dude? That's amazing. And, you know, the Joker costumes were... The Joker makeup was still great. All the different clown looks. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have minded if that one either. You know, don't get me started on Judy. Um, yeah, I'm not even going to go there. Um, so now we have international feature film. So I have saw every film in this category, except for Corpus Christi, which is just not out yet. You can't really watch it yet. It has a qualifying run. I think in two weeks it becomes a little more... Uh, available you know it's from poland but i will go through these i thought pain and glory was an amazing movie i thought antonio banderas was totally you know deserved that nomination this is a great movie too it's it's weird it's a lot about um dealing with getting older feeling relevant issues with chronic pain it's a really good movie and almodovar did a great job on it les miserables it's not based on the musical. It's not based on the play. It's kind of like, um, it's like a class. If you watch the movie, you'll get the Les Miserables thing because it's sort of like an uprising towards the end that happens, but it's mainly about class struggle between uh, the have-nots in France and the police, which are pretty much, which are very uh, crooked. Like, oh, it's very reminiscent of, in some ways of like a French training day. Like, if you can see it, I really recommend watching it. It's a really good movie. A Honeyland, which is also up for, that was also up for Best Documentary. It's a really good movie. It's about um, uh, this woman and her elderly mother who live off of, um, like, honey, that, honey and honeycomb that they uh, get from bees in, like, uh, you know, their little village. And then these gypsies move in and start to kind of fuck with them. And it's like real. It's but it feels like a scripted movie. It's crazy, but it's such a good movie. Like I can't, I cannot say enough uh, good things about it. And then there's of course, Parasite. So my thinking was, this was going to be a tip 
like if Parasite won this, it wouldn't win Best Picture. Like this is where it was going to end for him. And they won, and you could tell by Bong Joon-ho's speech that he thought the same thing. He thanked everybody, and that was it. You know, if and I, I was like, you know, that's who I had. Um, but then, you know, if Les Miserables or Pain and Glory had won, I would not have minded that either. You know, in some ways, I'm still thinking, was that really fair if they knew that Parasite was going to win Best Picture? Maybe the love could have been spread, but I, it's still amazing to me that Bongi has literally won every Oscar he could win in one shot with this film. It's kind of awesome. So let's go up. Next one, film editing. And there's Parasite. But Parasite easily could have won this category. Joker. Joker could have easily won this category. Same with Jojo Rabbit. Irishman. <sighs> no. The movie's three and a half hours long and you feel... You feel every minute of that. I mean, it's not, it, the movie doesn't drag, but like, there's no compelling reason for this film to be in the editing category. And then finally, Ford versus Ferrari, which ended up winning. And I actually not, I don't have any problem with that. I thought the editing in this movie was great. It made the races very compelling. So that's who I had. That's who won. Um, I'll skip documentary short subject because I didn't really watch any of these either. I guessed learning to skateboard in a war zone if your girl would win and it won because all the other ones, as far as I know, were kind of downers. So there you go. Sometimes you need a winner. Uh, Feature documentary, I had Honeyland, American Factory one. Um, I didn't really get a chance to watch the rest of them. So there you go. Um, best director. So this was between uh, Gwen Tarantino. For Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, Sam Mendes for 1917, uh, Todd Phillips for Joker, uh, Scarcese for Irishman, and Bong Joon Ho for Parasite. Um, I thought Mendes had this. Like, you know, once this, once he didn't win this award, this kind of like threw the rest of my uh, map off. Um, you know, because I thought, you know, Quinn Tarantino, I don't think is ever going to win Best Director. Um, just because of his like history with the DGA, um, if any movie it was gonna happen for him, it would have been this one. It's not gonna happen for him. That's just the truth. Um, I didn't think Todd Phillips was gonna win for Joker. I thought he might win Best Picture. Irishman again. I didn't think Scorsese was gonna win. Um, because this is more like, you know. This is more of a performer-driven movie. Like, if anybody had a chance at this, I thought it was going to be Pesci or Pacino. But they, they canceled each other out for supporting actor. Um, I'll just go into that really quick. I am pretty sure everybody had Brad Pitt winning that. It was either that or Pesci. Um, and I'm glad that Brad Pitt won. Although if Joe Pesci would have won, I would have been totally fine with that as well. Um, but he won for... I'm pretty sure he won for um, either Casino or Goodfellas. So... I'm sure that's how they looked at it, too. But, yeah, Bong Joon-ho went for Parasite, and I was like, well, this is anybody's game now. Um, let's see. Costume design. You know, I really thought Joker or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood would have had this. I think Irishman and Hollywood kind of, like, killed each other off. Jojo Rabbit's costume design was really important to that overall plot of the film. So I was actually really surprised... <laughs> when it didn't win and i think now i've just come to whatever costume design comes up if it's like an elaborate like 
dresses or something. That's what's going to win because the costume designers vote on this and they vote just like um, the Phantom Thread one. You know, it's like, okay, they're just voting on what's the most difficult thing to make and that's fine. I just learned my lesson and I'm never going to vote for an interesting thing here. Cinematography. Um, you know, I don't think Jerry Blash for The Lighthouse had a ch- snowball's chance in hell at winning this category. The whole movie's in 4 by 3 Sure, you could say there's issues with filming in black and white, but I, I really don't. Considering how many films are post-converted to black and white at this point, badly, uh, you know, you know, I feel like maybe this is the only thing it could have really had. Um, and there's like uh, Irishman. Eh, no, Joker had some beautiful shots. I thought they might have had a chance for a second, but this was Roger Deakins to lose, and he went for Dunkirk. He wasn't going to lose this one. Um, animated feature film i i wouldn't have minded a klaus one klaus is amazing you should watch it on netflix um toy story 4 one and i'm totally fine with that um everything else is you know i lost my body cloud uh i lost my body missing link and how to train your dragon front of the mill kind of <sighs> best supporting actress so i will say here that i very very much thought that Laura Dern would win this, and of course she did. And I think Kathy Bates should not have been nominated for Best Supporting Actress. I think Scarjo being nominated in both these categories kind of sunk her, and that's why she didn't win Best Actress. Um, but yeah, and Margot Robbie, like, she's gonna win an Oscar someday, it ain't for this. Um, ditto Florence Pugh, so good for them i do i do think laura dern was the best and she was great in that movie so yay for her um actress in a leading role you know this is like the you know renee zelger for you know throwing herself into a movie that's not really that great otherwise um i would have liked scarred you to win like i think her being in both categories is what kept her from winning and i honestly feel she was robbed this is the main snub overall um you know uh i talked to rich and other people say oh cynthia revo and harry is basically a tv role you know she'll win for something else she's a great actress um uh shirsa ronan again something else i i really you know she he was getting nominated for being greta gerwig movies but they really did do nothing for me i didn't like her in lady bird you know maybe down the line who knows charlie's there on you know um she was the best thing about this movie which is largely forgettable i think the big problem with her in this movie is done in a big short kind of way where she's explaining to you breaking the fourth wall and aside from she does feel like the most lived in character but overall the the rest of the film is really ganky it's kind of like a you know that movie molly's game that came out a couple years ago uh with jessica chastain you know it's the same kind of thing she was really good in that movie the rest of the movie's kind of like middle of the road at best you know, but yeah. Um, then we get to supporting actor again. Brad Pitt, Tom Hanks, Anthony Hopkins, Pacino, Pesci. Pacino, Pesci cancel themselves out. Anthony Hopkins, I thought, was really good. Um, but I, yeah, this was this was the only thing this movie was going to win. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Then there's actor in a leading role. So this is between Jonathan Price, who played Pope Francis and the two popes, 
Adam Driver, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Antonio Banderas, and Joaquin Phoenix. I'll break down my thinking behind each of these. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, I didn't think was going to win because he's already won recently for Revenant. I think if any, because it's such an ensemble piece, I don't think there is enough of a role for him to really stretch like he has in other things. I think the the scene that was the closest thing to awards material was when he was filming, uh, was it the, the, the scene, uh, the, the pilot for, I think, Lancer or whatever it was with the little girl. And then he's like, uh, chewing the scenery like evil Macbeth. And then he's sad that he's fucking up the scene. Um, more of that, maybe. The rest is too comedic. Um, especially the, the bits about, oh, I don't want to go to Italy and be a spaghetti actor. Um, I'll go to Jonathan Price next. He was really good. I didn't even know he could speak Spanish. And uh, I'll, I'll take it a different way, too. I, I just He made this character feel lived in. There's nothing bad I can say about this. This is a really good performance. Um, any other year, I think he might have had a good shot of winning. Ditto Adam Driver, who, who this is the, the best acting you'll see. Adam, and he had a great year between this and the report. Um, I, I'm sure he's going to win an Oscar one day. This just wasn't his year because he was up against Joaquin Phoenix, who's a force of fucking nature as Joker. Um, and Antonio Banderas, I don't want to uh, underpin him. He would have been my favorite if in any other scenario. Um, he's so great in that movie. Um, it's got like uh, a lot of juicy bits for an actor to play. I feel like the thing that might have undone him was the fact that it was a foreign language film. That's what I thought. Not, to, not tipping my hand yet, but he was great in this movie. You should honestly seek this movie out and watch it if you haven't seen it. But then it comes down to Joaquin Phoenix. And if Renee Zellweger is going to win for Judy, then Joaquin Phoenix is going to win for Joker. And I'll tell you right now, um, it's it's hard to go up against his performance and say he didn't throw himself into it 100%. Um, this is like a machinist bail kind of thing. Um I honestly feel that they should open up this category a little bit more because I think Christian Bale, honestly, I feel like Christian Bale should have been nominated over Leonardo DiCaprio. Out of these five, that's the one that probably least deserves to be in here. I feel like it was, well, he won before, but I, I do feel like Christian Bale was like hardcore snub. And I'll, uh, I didn't touch on this in Best Actress you know, people keep saying, oh, you know, Lupita Nyong'o should have been nominated for us. And I've had this argument with a lot of people. Dude, I, you know, I, I love Get Out. Get Out was one of my favorite movies. It still is. I have the the poster up in our house. Um, I really wanted to like us. I love doppelganger horror films. Um, and I just honestly think this movie didn't offer Lupita Nyong'o enough to do. And I'm going to say this. She's playing two roles in this film, right? So, role number one, the anxious housewife, does nothing to impress me in that film. She, like, doesn't want to go to Santa Cruz, and the whole time she's just way too anxious about it, to the point where I feel anybody in their right mind would have said, all right, let's not go to Santa Cruz. Fuck it. You know, she's just way too hyper about it. And then there's role number two, Tethered Red, 
who's very much like, uh, you came, uh, uh, it's across America. <gasps> you know, and yeah, there's tightly measured movements. I think the more challenging role, you know, probably was uh, regular Adelaide, not Red, because Red is really affected. Um, and I've seen the, I have it on Blu-ray. I've seen all the behind the scenes stuff. I'm sure it was fun for her to play. I'm sure there's a degree of technicality needed there. Do I think she should have been nominated? You know, I feel like Judy was already, uh, Renee Zellweger was already nominated for doing a good job in a bad movie. I feel like it's, it's a bad precedent to kind of do that multiple times. Mic drop. That That's the truth right there. Not to hate on Jordan Peele. I'm sure he's going to do great stuff in the future. But, like, you're only going to give so many tour de force performances uh, in shitty, not shitty movies, not great movies, the nod, you know? So maybe that's it. I don't know. I Like I said, it just didn't speak to me. If anything, hell, I would have gone, given it to Francis Pugh, Florence Pugh for Midsummer, which I feel is showed a lot more growth and a lot more uh, sticks with me more, at least for me personally. But yeah, um, so we've got through all of them. Let me just go to Piss Picture because that was way earlier on and I didn't want to spoil that one. So nominees for Best Picture are Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 1917, Marriage Story, Little Women, Joker, Jojo Rabbit, The Irishman, Ford vs. Ferrari, Parasite. You know, having seen all of these at this point, um, you know, you can make cases. I, I didn't think Little Woman had a case at all here. I thought it had less of a case because the only producer behind it was Amy Pascal, and people are kind of loath to reward studio heads with Oscars. That's just the truth right there. Um, Parasite, you know, I thought, hey, I thought it was traumas over at this point, right? But, you know, that was my emotional, like, if Parasite wins, I'll be really happy. Ford vs. Ferrari, I didn't think Ford vs. Ferrari. Uh, usually, best director wins best picture. We've seen this so many times. This is why uh, Bong Joon-ho winning threw me off. So I was like, okay. So Ford vs. Ferrari, out of the way. Irishman. Irishman, I didn't think I had a chance in hell. And you'll notice, you'll notice, even though Netflix got 24 nominations, my friends, you will notice that Netflix only won one award, Laura Dern, for Marriage Story. That's rebuke, folks. That's rebuke. Um, Jojo Rabbit. I liked. I really liked Jojo Rabbit. I didn't think it was going to win. Joker, I honestly thought had a chance of winning because, you know, people are going to praise Joaquin Phoenix. I think felt like it had enough buzz that it was, like, in a win by, like, you know, maybe, like, the votes tallied up, all the guys on top killed each other off, and it was going to kind of like be the middle of the pack winner. I feel like that's what happened with our Critics' Choice Awards for Phoenix Film Critics Society, you know, and that's why Joker won this year and why Green Book won last year. So I was thinking, well, if Green Book won last year, maybe Joker won this year, you know. And then uh, Marriage Story, again, I didn't think this was going to win. Netflix movie. 1917 i thought well maybe this is the only thing it's going to get me on that technical award and once upon a time in hollywood possibility honestly for me i thought it was going to be between joker it was going to be joker and then when parasite won we blew up like what the fuck parasite won 
are you fucking serious? I have no issues with this. And, you know, seeing everybody up there was great. I think it was shitty that the Academy turned the lights off of them at one point. But, yeah, so great. So great. Um, But, yeah, overall Oscars, I... I love the way they did the score this year. You know, you get the snippets of the score. I like the in memoriam. The way they did that was cool. We were going to bitch that Sid Haig was in it. I was kind of more irked that Dick Miller wasn't. Kind of shitty, you know, but whatever. It, it's like a lot of people don't watch the Oscars. They don't get it. has to recognize tons of people from all the different guilds. Costume designer guild, editor guild. All these people who died. So you're not prioritizing actors over anybody else in the industry, you know, so... I, if anything, I was more surprised that uh, Kobe Bryant got nominated, so, was was shown so prominently. But he did win an Oscar last year, so that's probably why. Um, other than that, um, yeah, keep it with no host. Um, again, the Eminem thing was kind of out of left field. Um, I liked a lot of the little mo. I liked it when uh, you know uh, Brie Larson, Gal Gadot, and. Uh, Sigourney Weaver presented an award. I didn't like the one with Kristen Wiig and um, Maya Rudolph. I was like, this is just dragging. Stop. Um, it was nice to see them keep some of the traditions alive where the last year's winner presents the next year's with Rami Malek and, uh, and uh, Coleman. Olivia Coleman presenting for... Uh, Best actor and actress, but yeah, um, weird to have a year without a Yorgos Lanthimos movie up there. Um, other than that, what else can I say? Uh, I think from now on, it's going to be a thing where a classic movie figure is always going to present uh, best picture. I feel like Jane Fonda did as good of a job as anybody else. Um, anything else about presenters i want to say no i think that's i think that's pretty much it um but yeah that's my thoughts on the oscars so yeah that's pretty much it um uh, for this edition of co-following again uh join us saturday for bram stoker's dracula uh you like what we're doing support us on patreon we're gonna throw this interview up with kurt russell and james gunn now i hope you enjoy it share it with your friends uh, even if you can't go to Dracula, you know, share the link with your buddies because we're trying to build us back up. And the more people come out, the more we can do cool stuff like bring people out again and, you know, cool events in the future. So, yeah, once again, thanks for listening to Cult Following Extra. Uh, we'll likely have a new episode of Cult Following next week. So uh, stay tuned. We'll have more reviews up. We'll have a <laughs> review of uh, Sonic the Hedgehog and The Lodge up this week. Uh, yeah, I saw Sonic the Hedgehog, guys, <laughs> you know, and I will give you a review of that. You may be surprised. Until next time, this is Victor Moreno with Call Falling Extra, and I'll stay tuned for this uh, Q&A and interview with Kurt Russell by director James Gunn. See you guys.
And you haven't seen it for 30 years. Yeah, I haven't seen it from like all the way through from the beginning since since uh, probably a couple of weeks after I saw it before it just before it came out. Wow. wow. So it was before wow. the movie came out that you saw it. Oh, it was an interesting screening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How was it different from the screening tonight? We went to, uh, I remember John and I together went to the 20th Century Fox to see the screening that the um, studio guys, uh, and I'll just say it now, studio head, uh, was gonna, you know, watch the movie. And uh, it's kind of hard when you watch this movie now to, you know, understand that when we were making it, we were having a ball, and we thought it was really funny. We thought it was a really, you know, the character, uh, I've read a lot of things about what people say, but the character wasn't really written exactly the way I played it. Um, and sometimes when you're, you know, you know how it is when you, you kind of find, you kind of find your way. So that was what I found my way to. So John was cool with it, and that's all that mattered to me. Um, and then now we come to watch the, uh, the screening, and uh, the, <laughs> the lights come, the kind of lights come up a little bit, and it's kind of quiet. <laughs> and this guy stands up and he says, well, I don't know, I don't get it. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, honestly, you know, come on, the Kurt Russell character is not that good at what he does. <laughs> and John and I looked at each other and said, You got it. <laughs> he doesn't like it very much. And, um, and ex experienced a, a strange trail after that. And as you told me that, that it felt so good, just two seconds ago you told me, uh, that it felt so good to watch everybody laughing so hard at the end when he says, That's 30 years coming. <laughs> and then he says, No, because that was a big problem back at the time. Right? It was the nail in the coffin. It was just <laughs> cool for school. It was, it was literally um, terminally hip. <laughs> I, I mean, that, and, you know, I learned a lot about screenplays at that point. Um, and it was terminally hip. Um, it, it just was, you know, you don't, you sound like an idiot when you, when you say, well, we were just way ahead of everybody. <laughs> we were way the fuck ahead of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't like it. And when he doesn't kiss her at the end, that was it. Finally, he was just like, okay, fine, I'm out of here. That's, that's, that's the final nail. Stand this thing, and some of the I've actually recently seen some of the reviews that are written. It's just, it's just great to see it because uh, man, they did not get it. <laughs> it didn't, the movie did was not successful when it went into theaters. Yeah. Well, it was a strange campaign to say the least, and, and yeah, that's a whole story in and of itself. And I never could figure that out. And I heard different stories. Who cares? if Sands and Peter Pans, but, <laughs> but uh, uh, you couldn't find where that movie was three days before it came out. And uh, I think it did $2 million. It was 12th, when it, 12th on opening weekend. Wow. And I think it did $11 million total. Now this is a picture that you gotta understand. John Carpenter was um, you know, really well thought of as a director at the time. And um, I'd been around forever already by then. And so what I was what I was doing in it was whatever I was doing in it. But the, the, I think it was Time or Life or Look or some magazine. We were the center of it. We were the centerfold picture of it. It was it was not as if it was treated without you know any kindness by the studio. They didn't. It wasn't like that. They 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 made noise about it in the beginning. But when they um, when they saw the movie at the end, it was just it, he just you know 
and they didn't like it. And um, and it was treated like an ugly sister, no doubt about it. I mean, there is a part of the film that's batshit crazy, and it's it's in a, in a good way. It's very enjoyable, but I can see where just your average theater goer in 1986 was gonna go. What the fuck is that? But see, that, with that, the that, eyes on that it. didn't happen because when they screened it, 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 you know how they do the, you know, and and the numbers were great. The numbers were great from the people watching it. So the audience was get, was loving it, um, but they didn't know what to do with it, and 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 so there were guys at the studio that just flat out didn't like it, and then there was some there was some inner battles with it. You know, and I'm not I'm not privy to what they were exactly. Um, I can't tell you how much fun it is to watch that movie. I hope John Carpenter does that sometime. And I know, I know, because uh, I haven't seen John for a while. But uh, it's all John. That's just all John. If you like that movie, and if you have as much fun with you as you did, it's all John. Um, we had a great relationship in that we would, like you and I did. I think yeah. you and I had a great working relationship. Absolutely. And I uh, call working with Kurt is like wrestling a playful bear <laughs> for five months. <laughs> Because he's so, you know, and it, this, is, this is absolutely true. Is you know, you get a chance to, to work with somebody who, to me, is an icon like her, and you get to go out there. You start to, you start to, you know, prep the film, and you have conversations, and then you start to actually film, and you get afraid that it's a guy who's been acting for a while and doesn't is getting a paycheck. Doesn't really give a shit, but with Kurt, it's the exact opposite of that. He gives you everything, and it's it's a great and it, it was a great honor and fun to work with you. And you challenged me every step of the way in the best way. That's funny because it doesn't feel like that. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel like I'm challenging you. Yeah, well, you challenge. You know, I'm, I'm a you know me. I'm a, like I boss everybody around so much that I know what you're doing. So it's uh, but it it really is. It's so fun working with you. And the, but the the joy that you show up with on set every day, um, you know, which is more joy than I show up on. You know, when the director when the director uh, really truly has the vision of what they want to do, then that's always exciting to me to be able to just show up every day and try to. You know what can I do to maybe enhance that? What how can we make it better? And I had that relationship with John. We had a lot of that in this movie because Jack Burton, Jack Burton was a rough character. He he wasn't uh, he wasn't on paper. He not he's not like that. Um, he was just sort of uh, you you're gonna have to figure out what he's gonna do. For instance, in the last fight scene, um, I actually had taken karate for four or five years and. Um, and had worked with, uh, sounds good. <laughs> that monster in the back of the truck going in. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, I had worked with John on Elvis, um, and one of the things I had to do in the interview was, was uh, do some karate. And uh, so I knew karate, but it just wasn't right for Jack to do that. So I had to think of things, we had to come up with stuff, you know, think of things that were right for Jack. And it was hard, you know, trying to come up with stuff. And like that, 
the gun thing. Yeah, was all the shooting the ceiling gag is the funniest thing. John was excited about that. Yeah. I, said, I, I, know, I know the first one we can do. And you get all fired up and ah, damn. Hit the ground. That takes care of two minutes. You know, the guy, the big guy on me, as he can, I can get in that position where he just can't move. Okay, that's another two minutes. Yeah. And, uh, and then things happen around him. Um, but we got away with it, and uh, it all fit. I just. It's just so much fun to see some of those lines and remember how we found them and some of them that were there, how we chose to, to play them. And, and, and I, I also get a great pleasure out of seeing all those actors. I think the actors in this movie are terrific. They had to hold up a great energy all the way through it. And it's very strange. <laughs> that you're working with a cast of primarily Asian American actors, yeah? Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I didn't really think about that at the time. I, I don't know, I just didn't, I never thought about it. It was like, yeah, this is a you know, big trouble in Little China. And um, had all the karate guys, and they were fantastic. And and uh, and then when the movie came out, there was a little grief about that, some kind of thing, and I thought, okay, I don't get that either. It's just, it's funny when you do a movie and it's all in fun, and you're having a good time with Asian people who are working on the show, they, they couldn't understand either what the beef was about. Of course, it was silly. Didn't really go anywhere. Um, I just read recently something about that. Uh, it was at Comic-Con, and they said that you know, Big Trouble at the time was, uh, there was a racial question about it. And it was, yeah, it was so it's very strange to me because there's so much Hong Kong cinema in the film. It's, it was that a tribute is, to it. It's, it's John bringing it to America. Which is really more so, you know, because I would see, I would think of The Matrix as being the movie that really brought Hong Kong cinema into the United States because I grew up as a Hong Kong film fanatic. fanatic. And, but it really is this movie that took that aesthetic from that time. And, and, and all those guys. And the people. Those are all, uh, Jeff and Mata and all those guys. Uh, and I like that the character of uh, Jack Burton is the guy who does every thought, everything wrong except for the one time it really matters. He's getting it right. <laughs> the thing about it was that um, I remember I had, a, I don't usually write notes in my script, but I had one on that one. It was like, the note was, to me, he was a cross visually and audio. <laughs> He was a cross between Jack Nicholson and John Wayne, and me. And, and I, I thought that he his he was such a good-hearted guy. He was always there for everything. But he, but he, it was really true. That last sooner or later, I wrote everybody the wrong way. He, you had to be that guy too. So uh, I, I gotta say that I, I, I he's one of my favorite characters. He's he's a funny he's a goofy guy. <laughs> So let's uh, let's go ahead. Yeah, you sir, right here. Oh uh, yeah, I mean he's just a great guy. I think that you know this was one of the first times that I could think of where just just in doing it and having fun with John and, and the gang. Um, Jack on page was the lead, but I never really thought that was it was that wasn't the case. Jack was the fish out of water. 
So I, I always saw Wang sort of as really the lead, and I thought that could be fun because then we could have the guy who's usually the sidekick really doing all the things that the lead does. But the thing that makes it fun is that the lead doesn't know that. <laughs> I, always, I always thought I was like a, like a director printing all the kind of lousy takes that the lead does, but the lead doesn't know that. Um, and it, it, I think it works great, and I think it's really fun to watch. So I, that again is, I think, a really cool thing. That, but Dennis, we never talked about that. We never, we never discussed that. We just sort of did it. We just sort of played it like that and did it. What is uh, one, of the, one of the things, you know, being a fan of some of your other movies with, with uh, Carpenter's, there's a big difference between this movie, Escape from New York, this is Elvis, um, you know, The Thing. What is it that, it, were the processes different? Were they very similar, just resulting in different movies? Or did you do something different every time? Well, you know, it was always, for me, it was always about John and what he had on his plate. Big Trouble, I mean, um, uh, Escape from New York. We started with Elvis, and he—he, he, I was already cast in the movie when he came on as the director. He'd just done Halloween, and he was saddled with this guy. You know, he was saddled with this Disney actor, basically. But he saw the tape, and he said, "We're fine." And we developed a shorthand. And then, after that experience, um, we really wanted to work together again, and we did on um, Escape from New York. Now, no other actor director would have ever hired me to do Escape from New York and play Snake Plissken and sort of leave it up to me as to how I wanted to play Snake Plissken. He had written it and that's John, you know, that's all John. So he didn't have a lot on his plate other than the fact that he hadn't done a lot of movies. And so when he got, got the big trouble in Little China, that's, that's a, as you know, that's a big number there. That, that's a very big number. And um, so in that regard, things were slightly different, but he and Larry Franco, Deborah Hill, they always just sort of, and, and Dean Cundy, and all the gang, all the crew, we, they just, I don't know, it just it didn't seem like it was ever that hard. You know, we just were having fun. We were having a good time. Cool. All right, uh, let's see. Let's go over there. That's you. That's right. <laughs> Um, no, it, it was um, it was something that John talked to me about, though. And uh, you know, John and I talked to each other about different projects. And there were things that we did. There were the five that we did together, and then there were you know three or four that we didn't do. And um, um, that was one that we didn't do. And I, uh, I don't remember the conversation about it. It wasn't it wasn't much. You know, for some reason, it was kind of quickly. Uh, he, I, I don't think I was really interested in it. And he was. He said, "Are you interested?" I said, yeah, kind of. <laughs> and uh, and but the thing, I actually spent a lot of time with John at his house, um, and we talked some about uh, guys who would be good for the lead in the thing. And uh, he he started work on that, and uh, then the next thing I knew, and I can't remember how that happened or what the story was, but the next thing I knew, John was coming to me to see if I wanted to play that guy, uh, McCready, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I said, yeah, I think that'd be, you know, I didn't think about that. We talked about it while, we, while he was writing the script and working on the script and stuff, but anyway, it was something that we had talked about other guys, and never really talked about me, and then I said, sure, why not? Then I go to wardrobe, <laughs> wardrobe, and they've already been shooting, you know, some stuff in Alaska, and I, uh, I go into wardrobe, and I, while I'm there, I notice this big stupid sombrero over there. 
And I finally said, what's, what's the word of reality? I said, what's, what's the deal with the sombrero? She said, oh, that's, uh, that's you, know, you gotta wear the sombrero. And I said, I'm not wearing that fucking sombrero. <laughs> and she said, no, it's already established. I said, I, like, John, that sombrero. I said, that'll be cool, don't worry about it. Oh, God, I hated that sombrero. And then I had to, like, you know, embrace it, right? And now I, I mean, God, McCready without that sombrero is just like an okay character. <laughs> I don't know, I never told you this. In my movie Slither, one of the front main characters is a guy by the name, is played by Greg Henry. And uh, is a, a mayor, Jack McCready, who's named after, who's in honor of uh, your character in the thing. All right, next. Right back there, this big guy, yeah. What was your favorite part of filming the movie? <laughs> I don't wanna to try to answer you honestly. Um, you know, the great pleasure we have is, it's just so damn much fun every day. And that was one of those movies where it was just fun every day. Um, I was always gonna see something cool. I uh, was always gonna get to do something cool. I love working with John. We, we, were, we were great friends. Larry Franco's my brother-in-law. Uh, we worked every day. I, got, I knew all the crew guys, all the crew guys knew me. All the actors were friendly. And the dialogue was fun to play. I just say the day to day, just the day to day, working and doing. You know, funny thing, when you're working, you don't know if you're doing any good or not. You just go out there and try to make something tangible that doesn't exist at the beginning of the day. And the process is, I can't imagine anything more fun, can you? I mean, there's nothing. Oh, I can imagine, I'm totally out with you. I can imagine a lot, a lot of people. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different he, job. He makes that every day, he's so excited. He's like, I love this even more than ever. And I'm like, okay, I'm okay. But it's just, <laughs> I just uh, feel like it's really, uh, we're just really lucky to do it. And uh, and that's what I remember from that movie, just having, just the fun, just the, just the good time and hoping that we were doing something that, um, you know, would go together well. So, 30 years later, it's nice to see that it still has a response like that. You know, when you, when you take a lot of time off of something and you see it fresh, it has no pressure. I'm mean, coming here tonight to take a bow. Gee, that's a tough one. <laughs> you know, it's not like going to a movie that's gonna be shown for the first time. And I don't get very nervous about stuff. I, I don't feel that way about it. But in the back of your head, you're still saying, well, I wonder how they're gonna to respond to it. Um, it's more pleasurable an experience now to watch it. And I think that, hell, I think that elevator scene is Spectacular. 
<laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure they are. <laughs> I have no idea. I like breakdown too. I have no idea. <laughs> no, but I got. But I had a run of movies um, that, uh, like this one, were you know, like the thing was not when it came out. It was not popular. Which to me is one of the three you know, greatest movies. <laughs> fun to kind of after all the years have gone by to sort of be able to look back and I was listening to you guys I was back there listening to you guys talk about movies that I had done and that John had done you know and uh, that's a fun thing to sit there and listen to that and say yeah okay, I forgot about Hey, Kurt, Kurt, 
I think it's a Volkswagen and a station wagon. I'll, I'll check that out. That to me is Jack Burton. It's like, okay, hang, hang on a second. I'm going to look like an outsider here. I started to read those lines. I started to feel like that guy. And I'm sorry, but John Wayne always kind of struck me that way. Just a little bit of like... She's, you know, so verboten. It's, it's like, you always, I always kind of wanted somebody to say, who the fuck asked you, man? And Jack Nicholson had a sort of a way about him that, you know, he had that thing. You know? And I thought that there was a combination there. And so that's what I started to see when I was reading it. And uh, I agree with you. I don't think anybody else would have played it that way. Now, having said that, there have been many early roles that, that I ended up not doing it, somebody else did, and boy, it's a good thing they did it, because I don't think it would have been good with me. You did a thing, uh, I think this is not betraying too much on either of our parts, but you did a thing with us, because we offered the role to you. Um, I thought that you would do an amazing job, but you did something that inspires a lot of confidence, which is, you came back and you said, I love the script, I love the character, I have to think about it, I'm not sure this is the right thing. I'm not sure I can kill, I, I wanna kill it. You gotta kill it, it's a big role in the movie. And I wanna kill this, and I know if I don't kill this, the movie's gonna be really hurt by it. And strangely enough for me, that was really, that was, that, is, that made me feel good. I, I, you know, you're a guy who's been around a long time, you get offered a lot of roles, you say no to more than you say yes to, and there's a re one of the reasons why you've been around for so long is being able to choose the right roles for yourself. And so for me, that was something that if you said no, I was gonna be okay because I was gonna be like, he doesn't think he's gonna, gonna kill it. And if you said yes, it also made me walk on the set, you know, day one and be like, which by then we had spent a lot more time together, uh, but be really, you know, comfortable that we were gonna find something great there. I think it's true, I mean, I think that, you know, Acting stuff, but um, if you don't, I don't know about. I don't know why I'd want to go to work if I don't think I'm going to wipe it out. Yeah. Just kill it. I mean, just I'm going to center punch this thing, and we're going to have some fun with it. <laughs> if I didn't feel that way, I don't. I, I get the idea of, of taking a challenge, but it's got a. It seems to me, and we no different as a director. Would it be if you look say yeah, that's a that's a good thing to do, and that'd be very challenging to do. He's not sure I know how to do it. If I kept feeling that way about it, I said, guys, I think I'm the wrong guy. Yeah, all the time, people say, why don't you want to do this movie? Why don't you want to do that? It's like, I, and my, my talents are actually very, very narrow. What <laughs> I'm good at is, is, is not everything, it's a specific thing. So I don't want to do every single franchise movie that comes along, no matter how big it is. What else we got? Uh, this guy first, he's even more exuberant. <laughs> I don't know, he just seems better than you. I don't know, know what it is. <laughs> He's got nice blonde hair. All right. Again, it's all, it's all John Carpenter. Uh, like when you see Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm just telling you, it's all him. It's just, it's his <laughs> true. You know, it's, it's not Carpenter, I don't like you, but with me it's all me. <laughs> yes, they hire people, and yes, they're gonna do what they do, but they, they say cut, and then they come over and talk to you about it. But what I mean by that is, 
the director has to do answer a thousand questions an hour. I'm just doing what I'm doing. And at the end of the day, when they wrap, I'm done. I go home, I get gone for the day. You can't do it as a director. On Escape from New York, on Elvis, he he saw the tape. Now on Elvis, I just, you know, I'd worked with him when I was 10, and I was only seven, this was 17 years later, and he was 27 when I worked with him, and I was 27 when I did the part. And I remembered him. So I'm a pretty good mimic. I'm not, I'm not a bad mimic. If, I, if I'm in the mood, we can have a lot of fun. If I get channeling, it's good, it's fun stuff. And I feel confident about that, and I think that when you, there's a difference between imitation and channeling, you know, when you feel something. And I knew that in Elvis I could, I felt like I could do that. On, on Escape from New York, I only knew what I wanted to look like, but the problem for me was I didn't know what I wanted to sound like. That was a tough one. And, um, and when the, you know, when the studio, when John said, yeah, I said to John, I'd like to wear an eye patch. He said, his reaction was, yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, you're gonna cover up half your face with a, an eye patch. Um, but John was aware of that. And he kind of was real, really sweet about just letting me kind of find my way. We didn't rehearse, we didn't do anything like that. So the first day on the set was the first time I was Snake. And, uh, and he'd let me do a lot of stuff with my wardrobe too. And I'd come up with that black and white look. I figured he'd been in Siberia, it's the winter time. Instead of green, and I thought green, I think green fatigues look kind of, hmm. But I thought black and white tight sounds like fucking great. <laughs> I, I, I had wanted to have those pirate boots, which I made out of you know like motorcycle boots that came up over the top with cleats coming out the bottom. I was like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> and and everybody else was kind of short haired, and he was kind of long haired, and that that was good. Lady Bowden, that don't sound like that. It's <laughs> not gonna work. <laughs> so I uh, was thinking about it, and we went over and we met Lee Van Cleef. And Lee was as awesome as you would want him to be. And I remember leaving that meeting, and I said to John, I said, I'm good, I don't know what to do. Because <laughs> I just fell in love with those movies that he did with Eastwood. And there, once you once you see Lee Van Cleef, there's no way you don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I then so the first day of shooting with John on that, we were in his trains thing, and I and I turned to this character and I say, um, "Congratulations, you're a millionaire." <laughs> and he, and the whole thing goes in. And he goes, "God, he goes." This fucking character's gonna be great!
to this movie. Yeah, you know, I just did Fast and, uh, Fast and Furious 8, and I worked a lot with Dwayne Johnson. That's a lot of fun doing that show. And, and um, you know, it's really weird. I, 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 I had heard that uh, Dwayne would be doing this thing. I, I thought, okay. And we worked on the show. We just never, th we never, we had, I really like him. He's a really nice guy. He's, he's a really interesting guy to talk to about football and stuff. We shared a lot of good, good conversations. And, uh, but one of the ones we never talked about was Big Trouble in Little China. It just didn't come up. We never thought, I never thought about it. And I, if he did, he didn't think about asking about it or, care, or caring to talk about it. Um, I don't know, my feeling about remakes having done the thing with John Carpenter, which was a remake, um, I don't think there's anything too precious to make a remake of. However, you better have a pretty good reason for making it. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's it. It's like, Mike, you know, you asked me, and my initial thought is, that's stupid. That's like ridiculous, because it really, this movie so much is Carpenter and Kurt, and there is so much of that running through it that it is in some way a more, it's more about their personalities than it is, a, you know, a, a movie, a story in that respect. But at the same time, I know myself, because I've done a remake before, I know what it's like to be out there. There could be some guy out there right now who all of a sudden has a burst of inspiration about how to make a beautiful Big Trouble in Little China, and for some reason it works, and then maybe it's cool. You know, you don't know. I agree, I, I mean, that's it. It's like, if you've got a take on it, that, that is a great idea as a, as a director. I think there's a lot more of a in Big Trouble in China. I think there's a lot more challenge on the director than there is on the actor. You can play Jack Burton a number of different ways, uh, and you'd be surprised. You can in ten minutes, you can get, somebody can come up with some way of playing that you kind of immediately forget the old uh, Kurt Russell version, if you will. But the the you got to remember that this this picture changed a lot of things. There was no blue look in movies before Big Trouble. Janet Jackson, as soon as we were finished, Janet Jackson and Michael Jackson saw that set and said, yeah, I use that, and got to make it look like that. I, that, that. That whole thing that Carpenter did on this, there was a lot of innovation here. There was a lot of firsts, and, and again, all John Carpenter. Um, so I, I, if, if I was going to do a remake of Big Trouble in China, if I was the director, I'd, I'd, I'd need to find some, I don't know, some take on it, some look at it. Be hard. It'd be hard. Although the, uh, the the sequel, Little Trouble in uh, Big China, could be good. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that title, by the way. Oh, God. <laughs> selling one they ever had. <laughs> <laughs> At least I think that's true. And I'm, I think even told you that. I'm claiming that. <laughs> I, I that's not true. I'm still claiming it. And uh, so I just did one here. Uh, and in that, what did you just ask me? I forgot what you just asked me. <laughs> I do that all the time. Oh, uh, you know, I just like making movies and, and making characters. I think it's really cool when you're given the opportunity to make not just a memorable character, but perhaps an iconic one. And uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm humble 
to a certain point. <laughs> and I just think that I was given the opportunity to play some characters that a hundred years from now, they're still gonna, you're still gonna be able to watch them and go, that fucking guy knew what time it was. <laughs> <laughs> But you have to be given you have to be given the opportunity. If James doesn't call me to, to play Ego of the Living Planet, I don't get the opportunity. So that's what all actors hope for. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting some fingers over here, some rolling up up fingers. So we've gone a half an hour long. Aren't we having fun? <laughs> <laughs> so let's take one more question. It better be good. If it's not good, we're gonna boo the person. Kick the guy who came from Australia. Oh, that's the guy that came from Australia, right. Yeah, Dad, dude from Australia. What do you got? It better be good. I love disclaimers. <laughs> Not a good sign so far in Australia. Dude. sometimes and watch it and kind of, you develop your own opinion, you know. And uh, I started really young. I started when I was 10, so I just started doing it. Um, and I just sort of did it, you know. But I did read something one time um, that made a lot of sense to me, and it's, a, it's, a, it's credited to, uh, uh, here we go, so good with names, the great actor, Hepburn's. Um, Spencer Tracy. And it shows you what I know about the acting, doesn't it? <laughs> Just because I really don't know much about it. <laughs> so, uh, Spencer Tracy. And I always thought that Spencer Tracy was really, uh, really compelling to watch and really good. Um, my favorite actor, bar none, by far, top of the mark, nobody comes close as Marlon Brando for a number of different reasons. But I did think when I read this that it made sense, and that was somebody, and it was an old tale. And ask Spencer Tracy that question. You know, you got any, I'm a young actor, you got any, and he said, I'm an actor. And I'm, what are you? He said, I'm an actor. He said, well, don't get caught at it. Uh, and that was, to me, that was always, uh, that was that was like, I, I just wanted to be that kind of actor. And when I watched that, it's tough to catch me acting up there. You, it's, it's pretty much Jack Burton. And he's, you know, he's pretty, he's pretty true. Every moment is pretty true. There's only a couple times where you can say, but you know, most of the time it's like he's in the moment, he's in the moment, he's in the moment. So I would say that, stay in the moment and, and don't act. Just be the person, just be the character. Find the character, find, you know, you see your friends, you see other people out there walking down the street, they got a thing, adopt that, get that, feel that, feel what they're feeling, and then you don't have to be caught acting. That's, that's, that's really what we're going on.